Hello, and welcome to this One Hit Wonder podcast. I am your host, Jackie McDonald. I um, am familiar with the, I guess, uh, framework of introduction that I kind of just stole um, <laughs> from the numerous uh, podcasts that I've been listening to. Uh, given the time, very complicated time that we're in right now, it's, uh, you know, very easy to pop an earphone in and um, just consume and consume and consume uh, podcast episode after podcast episode, which I have been doing. Um, unfortunately, I do work, so I, something I've only been doing at night, but now I have the time to... Um, sleep in a little bit and uh and yeah um there will be a lot of ums and uh maybe you know scoffing at myself because I must warn you I am a very shy person um and I'm not that great at public speaking even if the public is a computer and a room where no one else is uh, present. I still get shy listening to my own voice. So um, this will be to the point as to uh, relieve you of the uh, 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 uh noises that I will make um, undoubtedly in the uh, upcoming uh, 45 minutes. Uh, so, I am here today to um, share with you a goal that was suggested to me by my instructor, who is um, very kindly listening to this. I know I'm so sorry for my um, my ums, <laughs> uh, but uh, going off of the assignment, my goal is to study and express an idea about a particular film genre. And I have chosen my genre, genre uh, as horror. Um, very uh, popular genre for a movie. I, I don't think that that's um, outrageous to say. Um, I think horror as a genre um, is very popular. And um, there are many reasons for that, uh, including and not limited to uh, it's conventions and, you know, the building blocks of what makes it a horror film. And the idea that I want to explore today is, um, coming from an article that I read that I will pull up here. Um, it is a Vox article, uh, written by Aha Romano. I believe that that's how it's spelled or pronounced, A-J-A space R-O-M-A-N-O. Um, and the title of the article is Horror Movies Reflect Cultural Fears in 2016, Americans Feared Invasion. Um, and the title is referring to uh, the movies that came out in 2016, Don't Breathe and Hush. Um, Don't Breathe was a theatrical release. I know that because I actually went to go see it. Um, and Hush, I believe, was a Netflix release only. Um, anyways, uh, the 
fear of invasion, right, um, is a, as this article title is suggesting, a um, reflection of a cultural fear. Um, my idea that I want to explore today is um, that and also, I guess I should say further, um, do these cultural fears impact um, the common tropes and conventions that we see um, in horror films? Uh, you know, can we look back in time and, you know, see, oh, well, you know, this trope makes sense because of this fear uh, culturally uh, and, you know, given historical context? Um, and do those tropes, are they needed to be considered a horror film? Not necessarily, you know, in all time, you know, I'm saying within specific decades or within specific time periods, um, where these, uh, you know, specific fears to that time, um, come into play and, and, uh, you know, the correlation between the two uh, tropes and um, the actual fears that uh, culturally we all share, I suppose. Um, and that's not to, you know, speak for every single person, but uh, I think as we go along, it will make sense. Um, so I will come back to this article in a moment, uh, but for now... I would like to explore the genre of horror. And um, as I've said, horror is one of my favorite uh, genres. Um, I find it so interesting that I love horror films because I'm someone who a thousand percent when I watch a movie alone in the dark that is scary or even a little bit suggestive um and by that I mean not sexually but um I guess uh, suggestive in a creepy way where it's like oh you know this is not overtly you know horrifying but it's just a little idea that just got planted in my head and now I'm gonna run up the stairs and jump in my bed hide under my covers um to pull it all together. I am someone who's easily scared. Um, however, I, I love horror. And, and I think that that's because, you know, when you see a pretty girl walking on the street, not, well, walking down the street, whatever, you know, uh, maybe you see her uh, in school or whatever, and you ask her on a date to go see a movie. The first thing you say isn't like, hey, let's go see, uh, you know, B movie, right? I mean, unless she has a very specific sense of humor, um, I don't think she's going to want to go see a B-movie, uh, but you may instead take her to go see Paranormal Activity, um, which is uh, a horror film, um, because, uh, you know, she's going to get a little bit of sweat under that sweater, uh, you know, because she's so scared, she's going to sweat. She might, you know, hold your hand, she might do X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. Basically, what I'm trying to say is... Um, not to say that this is the reason that we love horror movies, but there is a real physical uh, reaction um, and to to a horror film. 
uh, I used an example of the date. Okay, obviously a horror film, you know, we, we go see a scary movie with someone that we like and there's that chance we're going to get closer to them because, you know, physically we're going to react in a uh, protective or um, reactive way. You know, you want to huddle, huddle close to the fellow human, you know, because uh, I guess evolutionarily or something like um there's this need to protect yourself to to join in numbers um (laughs) I sound really crazy right now but what I'm trying to say is there is a very physical reaction to horror films um and I think that that's what makes them so enjoyable uh you know you're you're invested your body's invested your mind's invested um and there is even if it's you know leaving you with a mental scar of oh my gosh that was horrifying or that was disturbing or that was scary you're still getting a uh, satisfactory um reaction or or um I guess uh payoff because the um reaction is so physical uh there are people who faint watching horror movies um there are people who you know feel queasy and want to throw up um because they're watching a horror movie Um, and as, you know, maybe gray in the area of like, whether that's positive or not, I think that that's a very, um, satisfying, uh, reaction, I guess is what I'm trying to say. We want to scare ourselves. I will, you know, scroll down uh, YouTube for hours and uh, watch scary scenes of, you know, such and such movie. Anyway, so that is to kind of introduce horror as a genre that is appealing to people, right? It's kind of timeless in that way. And I think that because people love it so much and, you know, for all the reasons that I was saying, um, that's what makes it so timeless. We want to be scared. There's something inside of us that wants to, um, you know, make ourselves sweat or whatever. Um... So, uh, horror films, what are their purpose, right? Why are they made? Um, obviously in, as a whole, right? In in a very general sense, a horror film is meant to unsettle us, frighten us, or introduce panic, um, to us as an audience. And, uh, there are very different, I guess, ways to uh, convey this via tropes um, or, you know, narratives, what have you. Um, and as the years have gone by, obviously I have not lived all the years in the universe or anything. I've only been alive since like 1995. Um, these tropes and uh, horror film, uh I guess, horror film um, uh, conventions have, have changed. Some have, you know, come back, have gone away, have disappeared, have come back again. Um, for example, like the uh, found footage film genre or sub-genre of horror film. Um, or like the alien uh, sub-genre uh, sub genre, uh, of horror, of the horror genre. Um, 
so yeah, they, they, they come, they come back, but there's always these, um, uh, very similar or reoccurring tropes, um, that, uh, appear in these horror films. Um, now thematically, what are horror films typically about? What, what can we expect when we go to see a horror film and, you know, we're, we're told, oh, guess the theme for like a billion dollars. Well, you know, typically you want to say these kind of themes, right? So usually in a horror film, there's, you know, revenge of some kind, maybe death and murder, maybe um, it's supernatural. That's a huge, huge, huge um, theme uh, or, or narrative uh, in, in a horror film, uh, the supernatural. Um, I mean, we can go into that forever, right? The supernatural, it's unknown. You know, there's, there's some people who believe in ghosts. There's others who don't. Um, aliens are part of that, 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 uh, narrative of supernatural, right? And, um, although alien narratives can be, um, part of, um, the science fiction genre, uh, there's, you know, genre combination, right? So a lot of the times in those cases, um, horror and, uh, science fiction are, you know, a combo, um, genre for each other. Um, I'm thinking movies like, you know, The Fourth Kind, which, um, was marketed and is a horror film, uh, but it is also, you know, dealing with aliens, spoiler alert, uh, that's not just an owl in the window, if you've seen The Fourth Kind, um, it's, uh, it's also, you know, in, in that sense, a science fiction film. Um, for the other ones, so like death and murder, revenge, anything like that, um, I've seen a lot of people consider like the Jaws films to be horror films. And, uh, I think that they, um, I think that that can be, that can be true. Um, again, that is going to lead into our later discussion about, you know, the cultural, um, fears, uh, that we have. Um, and also just like, well, we'll get into that, <laughs> but, um, if you have seen, uh, any of the Jaws movies, there are, um, uh, you know, the monster of the movie, which is another kind of subgenre of horror, um, is the shark, right? That it's like the monster movie that that's like a subgenre of the horror film or of the horror genre. Um, the shark is coming back. The second movie, Jaws 2, um, the shark, another shark comes back kind of for revenge. It's implied that that shark, um, comes back, uh, for, or to take revenge on, I guess, the townspeople because, um, uh, a previous shark was killed in, in the first Jaws. Um, and there's actually a line in the second Jaws movie where, um, that, uh, is kind of proposed by Chief Brody and, uh, a, uh, marine biologist expert, you know, says, you know, sharks don't take things personal, but that's, you know, the twist of it. It's like, oh, like they actually do because this is not just a normal shark. This is a monster movie shark, right? Um, so that's just an example of that. Uh, another, um, narrative structure to, um, uh, to a horror film is, you know, religious beliefs, survival, stuff like that. The religious beliefs couldn't, um, you know, be, comboed with comboed if that's a word comboed with um you know supernatural anything like that um 
So that is uh, a lot of the um, narrative structures and uh, themes. Not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them um, in, a, in a horror film. Um, a lot of the uh, characters kind of show up as, as character tropes. Uh, in a horror film. So, you know, you have the protagonist who is in the horror genre, usually a young girl. Um, and then you have the antagonist. And in most horror films, it's, uh, you know, you could have a lot, right? So there could be one who is, you know, maybe the home invader in a home invasion uh, story. There could be a ghost who is the antagonist. It could be the protagonist themselves, maybe something that they're facing from the past that is manifesting as the horror um, itself. I'm thinking uh, the Baba Duke, right? I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking, um, well, I'll use the Baba Duke as an example. <laughs> Uh, where, you know, an interpretation of that film is the mother in the film um, is dealing with this supernatural being who is threatening uh, daily her and her son. Um, but uh, at least the way I interpreted it, um, the film suggests that the monster, the Babadook, is in fact um, a manifestation of this woman's uh, depression of her um, anguish and it's haunting her. Um, so it becomes symbolic, which is, uh, something that is very common in horror films is, uh, the use of symbolism, uh, via manifestation of, um, a character's emotions or feelings or something that they're dealing with, um, in the past. Um, and then we have, uh, other, uh, characters that kind of make themselves more, um, specifically known within certain subgenres of the horror genre. For example, in the slasher um, subgenre of a horror movie, um, that I'm thinking movies like uh, Friday the 13th, um, I'm thinking Halloween, you know, a slasher uh, film. Slasher films are different than, you know, the general, I guess, horror film in this, or horror genre in the sense that it's kind of more, you know, um, blood gore or uh, uh, body horror you know you're you're the fear that is being invoked is because you're you know watching some girl's uh, intestines being ripped out of her stomach um, and that girl maybe uh, is the character that I'm you know trying to lead up to describe which is the sex appeal this is a very um, uh, trope heavy character I guess um, there, that it also kind of ties into a trope, uh, situation, which, uh, would be death by sex, which, um, if you've seen, it, it shows itself, itself in a lot of, uh, um, slasher films, uh, where, you know, a, a, a girl, you know, not, usually not the, um, final girl, which, uh, again, the final girl is the, um, usually protagonist of the film. Uh, Death by Sex Girl uh, is usually um, sluttier, dumber, um, depicted. She's usually blonde, right? Uh, which that is not to say anything about blondes, but um, 
in the trope, right, the, the dumb blonde comes up. So um, that's, I'm just saying, what is typically uh, portrayed in these films. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that is a character trope, I guess you could say, um, that also ties into a, uh, I guess, narrative trope. Um, so yeah, that is a look at some of like the characters that you might see in a horror film, um, in a regarding, you know, tropes and stuff like that. Um, so in regards to like the mise en scene of a, um, of a horror film, uh, or in the genre of horror, um, again, mise en scene is everything that's kind of like behind the narrative, you know, what you see in the background, um, stuff like that setting. Um, so the, the cool thing about a horror genre is that the setting can be anywhere. Um, obviously when you get down to like sub genres of, um, horror movies, the setting could be a house in regards to a home invasion or a haunted house. Um, it could be the woods when, um, discussing maybe like a ghost story. I'm thinking something like the Blair Witch Project. Um, it could be, uh, when it comes to like the survival, uh, sort of narrative when it comes to a horror film. Um, I'm thinking something like, uh, the descent, uh, could take place in a cave in that regard. Um, so it, that's cool. The cool thing is that it can really happen anywhere. And I think that that's reflective of the fact that we as humans see, um, I guess, not necessarily the danger, but, uh, the reason to fear in everything, right? There's always something. Um, if it's not, you know, the idea that someone can break into your house, it's the idea that you could run into a humanoid, uh, monster, uh, tainted by evolution. Um, when you go cliff exp or cave exploring, like in, um, the movie, uh, the descent. <laughs> so, um, that is the cool thing. Uh, something else with mise-en-scene in terms of, um, horror conventions is, uh, lighting. Usually the lighting is very, very, very dim, uh, in horror films, or there's no light at all. Like in the Blair Witch Project, you know, we have, um, ultra, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the name, but nighttime vision, um, obviously that's very, you know, sort of like bland green coloring and, uh, you know, bright lights, but it's, 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 um, you know, not bright and colorful. Um, I'm thinking movies like Silent House where, uh, oh, which, um, I'm forgetting the, it, it's a, all, originally a Spanish film. Um, but in Silent House, uh, you know, very low lighting, a lot of, um, lights being turned off. Um, and on, things like that. Um, uh, I mean, you can take any film, um, Chucky, uh, you, I mean, any film, um, horror film, and, um, there's that element of, you know, low lighting in there. So, uh, that's part of, like, the mise-en-send of it. Um, so with, uh, with, uh, costume or, like, um, um, uh, props or anything like that when it comes to horror films. Um, the genre I find is, uh, I guess 
you know, it doesn't, it, it, it's the same as setting where the clothes, it kind of depends on the setting. Um, but there have been a lot of movies, horror movies specifically that, um, you know, the, the, your clothing reflects your character. For example, in a slasher film, obviously the slutty girl is going to be, or I should say this sex appeal, um, is going to be, uh, in like a short skirt, you know, her boobs are going to be out. She's wearing a tank top, uh, such and such. So it goes on and on. Um, a lot of, uh, colors that you'll see in a horror film that goes along with, uh, not lighting, but you know, you're not only going to see black. There's a lot of red, um, whether it be because of blood or, um, you know, just to maybe evoke the sense of evil. I'm thinking of, um, the movie The Shining where, uh, there's a lot of vibrant, bright colors. Um, however, a lot of it is red, right? you the carpet's red. Um, the words red rum on the walls are in blood, uh, and it's red. So, um, and, uh, when it comes to sound, so, uh, non-diegetic sound is the, uh, sound in movies where, um, uh, oh my gosh, I am, I'm totally losing my, um, uh, my train of thought here. Um, non-diegetic sound is, uh, a, for example, in a horror movie about, um, ghosts, um, maybe the ghost is playing the piano, right? That's a sound within the movie, right? If the ghost were to stop playing the piano, then obviously no one else would hear it. Um, that's non-diegetic sound. So, um, usually, there is diegetic sound in horror films, right? There's that shrill violin. There's that, um, you know, creeping um, piano sound. Uh, and it's actually very, very common. I'm thinking movies like um, The Conjuring, which had, um, you know, music that's kind of building up that fear um, as this woman is getting closer and closer to uh, the... Um, uh, room in the house where the ghost is, or, um, I'm thinking something like, um, Jaws, where we have the shark, um, as it approaches, there's that iconic, um, John Williams, uh, score, right? And, um, it's not just, obviously, just like, uh, I'm being specific with the sound because, usually the music, it's, it's haunting, right? So we have the Jaws, um, score, which is, and it just gets faster, and it's creeping, and it's creeping, it's elevating that heart rate, and, um, again, that's what we want in a horror film, that's what's commonplace, is this desire to disturb you, or frighten you, and, um, diegetic sound is used, um, uh, I would say a lot, um, in horror films, uh, for that reason. Now, there are films that, um, don't use, um, diegetic sound and use non-diegetic sound, um, as in no music at all. Um, perhaps, you know, there's that piano being played by the ghost, uh, you know, on the first floor of the house, but, um, there are some films or horror films, um, that, you know, don't even use music in that sense. They just, you know, use, uh, the sound of footsteps is, or, or breathing, you know, heavy breathing to, 
um, evoke that sense of fear um, because that absence of sound, you know, you're kind of almost expecting it. Usually the music, the diegetic music helps you to anticipate for um, a jump scare, which we will get to in a minute. Um, but with a non or with a non-diegetic uh, uh, movie, um, they will not place that maybe specifically um, or a stylistic choice to like, you know what, I want this to be more realistic or um, I want to utilize the non-diegetic sound um, to further scare my audience. Um, now, when it comes to uh, the uh, common uh, tropes when it comes to a horror film, um, there are a few that are almost... Um, not a necessity, although we are going to explore that idea, um, more of a, you know, it's just commonplace. It's almost the blueprint of a horror film. Um, the, uh, first one I'm going to mention is one I just mentioned a few moments ago, which was a jump scare. Um, jump scares are, I mean, in almost every horror movie, uh, that you can possibly think of, even in the most, um, uh, you know, non-expected place, um, for it to be. Um, we see jump scares in a lot of supernatural movies. Uh, I'm thinking The Conjuring. Um, there is a scene in, um, the, uh, um, the movie Insidious, um, that, uh, I mean, there's a lot of horror or jump scares there. Uh, where, you know, all the, the, the house or the, the house doors are being opened and um, the mother in the film, who is one of the protagonists, um, you know, she's checking on her baby and there's a jump scare of a, of a ghost who's just, or I should say a demon, because I guess he's a demon in the movie, who's just behind the crib and it's, it's very, very frightening because you're not expecting it. Um, and that's actually another film that uses uh, non-diegetic sound because um, it's just the sound of the alarm of the house because all the doors have been opened. Um, you're not, because that non-diegetic sound is there, um, there's no diegetic um, typical horror music to have you anticipate the appearance, the sudden jump scare of the... Um, of the man behind the crib in the movie Insidious. So that is an example of a good use of non-diegetic um, uh, music as a horror um, trope that is playing with the other trope of jump scare. And it's done quite well because you don't often see that combination um, of jump scare and non-diegetic sound. Um, so that is a kind of refreshing combination of tropes to... Um, you know, uh, scare the audience as a goal. Um, so, uh, another trope that we have is, um, you know, maybe one of, uh, uh, an abandoned place. So like an abandoned house, um, an abandoned, uh, shed, right? So that is a, a common trope of like location, um, where it goes beyond just, you know, the house or a cave. It is specifically an abandoned um, house because it is haunted, you know, stuff like that, that it all kind of um, comes together. So um, as we go on, uh, I am going to kind of explore this idea that we introduced at the beginning 
um, when ex uh, referencing that Fox article where it says, Horror movies reflect cultural fears. In 2016, Americans feared invasion. Um, so with the two movies that um, are referenced uh, in the title of this article, um, oh, it's included in the subtitle, excuse me, uh, that says movies like Don't Breathe and Hush had a direct connection to U.S. politics. Um, the article explores something uh very interesting about kind of like the anxieties of um of uh, Americans uh and to keep in mind um in 2016 obviously uh Trump was elected president um unfortunately <laughs> and um there was a lot of uh kind of build up of anxieties um within uh the uh American people um, because of these, you know, new, um, cultural norms. Um, in the article it says, uh, in 2016, um, many of those below the surface fears exploded into the cultural forefront. No longer repressed were white American fears of faceless people of color or the insidious invading corruption of foreign influences. These anxieties, fueled by fake news, misinformation, and a web of vast, nefarious conspiracy theories, shaped the current political climate to a degree few had imagined possible. Most 2016 horror films were in production before this year began, yet they're telling a glimpse into a long-brewing pot of cultural anxieties that seemed to boil over in 2016. And among the most successful horror films of the year, one took the standard tropes of its genre and up appended them into, excuse me, them in order to get at some unexpected and timely truths about American society. So, to uh, sort of go into what that all means... Um, basically, obviously, no film is, you know, released and made in the very same year, um, because of the, um, uh, amount of time it takes to make a movie, writing it, producing it, filming it, all that, um, which filming it is part of the production of it. Um, but, uh, American society, at least today, I think there is a false sense of security as there was a false sense of security before Trump was elected president. And um, that is not to say that that is the belief of all, um, but I do think that for a majority of people, um, their rights were kind of infringed, and by kind of I mean were um, infringed upon, uh, even if it was just, you know, a, a vocal um, a statement or whatever assessment by um, the government or the president, the newly elected president of the United States. Um, and when it comes down to it, to bring it back to the uh, um, horror genre tropes, um, there are uh, a lot of anxieties about fake security. When you're sitting in your home, you know, you, you've locked all your doors, you've locked your windows, you feel safe, you think you are secure. Um, however, uh, you don't know um, if you are really safe because what is to stop someone from uh, throwing a rock through your window and getting in? What's to stop someone from knowing um, how to get into your house uh, 
by mysterious means, which is um, and something that is very, very, very um, unsettling to me personally, and I think is used as a very good um, sort of, uh, I guess you could say other trope in a horror film is the unexplained, um, not necessarily supernatural, but um, just the unexplained. I'm thinking of the movie The Strangers um, from 2008 uh, with Liv Tyler, um, where these murderers are able to access the inside of the house by means that, you know, the characters and the audience have no idea how. We can only assume through a window or through um, an unopened door, or maybe they just know how to pick locks. I don't know. Um, but uh, that is a an anxiety, um, even among people like myself. I mean, who, who wouldn't be terrified of someone breaking into their home? Um, so uh, obviously that movie, The Strangers, uh, came out in 2008. Um, we're talking about 2016. And um, as I said, there is no question that, uh, you know, a home invasion is an anxiety of, uh, a, a person who owns a home, which, um, a lot of people in the United States obviously own a home. Um, that's, uh, I don't want to say a given, but sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, but what I do want to say is that, um, the subversion of that fear um, makes for an interesting take on a horror trope or the horror convention. And not only that, but further, you know, what does this say about, um, our culture and does, is that subversion or is that trope, um, untouched needed, um, for a film to be considered a horror film? And, um, the example I'm going to use is, uh, the ones that the article gives, um, they obviously, uh, don't go into the depth that I'm, I mean, I will link it, but, um, uh, movies like Don't Breathe, right? So Don't Breathe came out in 2016 and we have, uh, two, um, actually, sorry, three teenagers who break into this old man's house and he is blind and he's a war veteran. Um, him being a war veteran, um, I think is symbolic to, um, America, uh, American people, older American people. Um, I believe he was a, in the film, Vietnam, a Vietnam war veteran. Um, and a uh, very lethal man, very cold-hearted. Um, and through a twist and subversion, they, the teenagers break into his home. Um, and, you know, if it were the other way around with that, you know, anxiety that people have about breaking them, people breaking into their homes, um, you would think that uh, the teenagers would be the, considered like the antagonist, but it is actually the old man. Um, now before we get to the twist of the film, um, the old man, uh, shows that he is, uh, vigilant. Um, he is very skilled. He is ruthless. Um, and he is very, 
uh, protective of his property and himself. Um, and again, he's blind, so uh, there is that level of, you know, sympathy that the audience feels for him because here's this old man with uh, an impairment, um, and these, you know, two butthead or three butthead teenagers are breaking into um, uh, to uh, to rob him. Um, in the film, I believe that they are from Detroit, Michigan, and they're all trying to, you know, get out. Um, and, oh, <laughs> get out, wink, wink, to another horror film that is incredible that we will also get to in a second, uh, also called Get Out. Um, and what ends up happening is this man um, is hiding, or, I, well, he is concealing it, but um, he's keeping a young girl hostage. And this young girl was actually the girl who drove into his own daughter um, and killed her in a car accident. And he's keeping this girl here not only as a revenge, but a sicker revenge where he is trying to impregnate her, which is disgusting. And I don't know, I mean, it, it's just... I mean, there's not much to say about that. I don't know. Things like that get me very frazzled. I just, I don't know, think it's very disgusting. Um, and uh, these teenagers find this young girl. And um, I'm basically summarizing, which is not what I want to do. But uh, basically what I think this means um, for the reflection of the culture. Um, in 2016, I believe that we as Americans look to our neighbors and realize that we may not know them as well as we think we do, um, right? This this character, this man in um, in the Don't Breathe movie is a, you know, patriotic, um, uh, older uh, representation of, like, the older, gen or excuse me, he's a representation of the older generation, um, the generation that is generally perceived um in this country to be the reason or, or, um, at least a contributing factor as to why Trump was elected president. Um, so, uh, beyond that, um, there are many, 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 many very specific examples I could give, uh, another one being Get Out, which is, um, a brilliant, brilliant film by Jordan, Jordan Peele, um, when I saw it in theaters, I was blown away, but it is another horror film that kind of subverts itself, um, and is also, I took it as kind of like a retelling of the movie, um, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which is a brilliant, I, I love that movie too, it's a movie that came out in the 60s, um, sort of like a dramedy, I would say, kind of comedy drama, um, about, uh, uh, a man, a black man who comes to meet his white fiance's family. And um, it's the same premise uh, as Get Out, um, but Get Out has a um, subversion of that narrative and as, as well as the um, horror uh, uh, genre, which I would consider to be um, a lot of movies about enslavement. I think that that's... That, that's can um, constitute as horror. I think that it incites panic and fear, not fear, but panic, um, certainly into um, 
into individuals and into uh, groups of people. Um, so uh, with Get Out, um, it, there was a political uh, and socio kind of um, commentary going on there, which I think is also being done in the um, movie uh, Don't Breathe. Um, so it, what this says about um, our cultural fears and everything um, another, or I shouldn't say another as in connection to this time now, um, but a lot of the anxieties that are, um, that make themselves, uh, known, I guess, in, in, in films of today, um, are anxieties about, you know, your neighbors, do you really know them? You know, did, um, uh, do these teenagers really, did they really know, like, who this man was that they were breaking into, or breaking into his home? Um, did, uh, the young man in Get Out, you know, he, he thought he knew, he knew his girlfriend, but does he really know her, you know? That kind of, um, speaks to the tense, um, uh, relations that, um, the black community has with, um, I wouldn't say the entire white community. I would say the white community in the sense of the white people who are, you know, uh, I guess in denial about the reality that um, the black community faces um, in today's society and in society for the past, you know, hundreds of years, um, specifically in the United States. Um, something uh, that I'm thinking of that uh, is relating to this is um, in the... Uh, 50s, 60s, and 70s, um, there was a uh, fear of the um, commies, <laughs> which uh, is a, you know, slur, I guess, um, of uh, communists, um, which uh, that's what people back then would call them. Oh, those, those commies, like, as if, you know, a communist was the worst thing in the world, uh, as we know about the Red Scare. And the films of that time reflected um, uh, that cultural fear as well, specifically in the, in the United States. We had the um, supernatural uh, hybrid, um, I guess, well, just supernatural film, um, uh, and by supernatural, I mean aliens of the, the movie Invader of the Body Snatch, Invader, Invading, Invading of the Body Snatchers, um, which is a film about, uh, these, um, people being, um, invaded by body snatchers, by these, like, aliens, and, um, uh, it, what, it spoke to, um, politically the Red Scare, I think, in, in, in that many, if not all Americans, well, obviously not all, um, but many Americans were uh, uh, terrified of um, becoming or, or being invaded by communists, thinking that, oh my gosh, like, if, if the United States becomes a communist um, country, we're all just going to become like, just like everyone else, you know? And I, and I don't think that the fear stems quite, you know, literally from like, you know, uh, we will become everyone else or, or, you know, we will be, um, uh, possessed by this ideology, whatever. But I do think that a lot of it had to do, um, too with, um, the ideas that came with, uh, um, 
what communists do um, financially, specifically. I think that, that was the government's um, uh, main concern. Um, so, yeah, again, an example of uh, a cultural um, sort of fear uh, that we had um, in different times. Um, as, uh, you know, the 80s and 90s came along, there was a lot of um, films culturally that or excuse me, horror films culturally that um, explored technology as technology became more prominent. Um, excuse me. Um, again, uh, tropes that, um, you know, were popular um, with uh, people because of the cultural fears that we had. Um, but that didn't necessarily mean that, you know, there was not um, uh, other horror genre or subgenres being made at that time, as I said, that a lot of horror genres, like, they, you know, kind of disappear, but they always come back. Um, in 1999, uh, obviously, The Blair Witch Project came out, and it was, um, the first, um, not first found footage film ever, but first, uh, found footage film that really had prominence and relevance on the internet, because the internet was just starting up, so there was this new, um, method of uh scaring people because they made everyone believe it was a real documentary um utilizing the internet so uh toying with that realism and everything that was kind of unknown at the time um uh the first found footage film that um i can think of is uh cannibal holocaust which is another really really good um horror movie um very body gore but also um speaking on the times uh it's a film about americans uh, i guess a subversion too because uh while a lot of films um at that time the movie was made in the i believe early 70s uh, i want to say um well this time it was sort of american people going to a foreign area or place and uh also being buttholes um to put it nicely um but anyway I digress um these are uh a lot of the um I, I'm, I'm debating of whether I should start kind of wrapping up now um I'm starting to lose <laughs> my clear execution so I apologize for that um but what I'm trying to say is that uh, the, I guess, um, uh, formal and narrative uh, tropes, conventions of a horror film um, are used to uh, tell these stories or, you know, tell them and subvert them in, in different ways um, to, to convey um, an ideological uh, convention or even just ideology, um, that's not conventional necessarily to a horror film, um, uh, to express cultural fears, um, or at least not, 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 not to directly express them, but they represent what we fear, um, right? Because the people who, um, make these movies, filmmakers, they're aware, um, even if they're a few years behind, um, when, you know, before a, uh, a new cultural, um, fear kind of shock begins, um, I'm sure, 
given the whole situation that's happening now um, with COVID-19, we're going to see a lot more films in the future about you know, infection. Maybe it won't be like the movie Contagion, which is more of like a thriller, which is a sub, uh, I would not, I would argue just sub-genre of, um, of a horror film, um, where it's, you know, the monster, uh, of the film is, uh, a virus and, um, it kills off people. There's, you know, the same kind of tropes, um, that are explored in a, um, quote-unquote typical horror movie with ghosts and such um there it's played out with a virus um you know low lighting gritty lighting um uh a lot of uh uh jump scares you know the 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 um sudden uh uh sudden uh dead body that shows up i'm thinking about the movie outbreak which is um similar premise to um uh, contagion and that it's about a, well, outbreak of a disease. Um, what I'm trying to say again is, uh, I think in the next 10 years, we're going to see a lot more movies like that. Um, I think that we're going to see a lot more zombie movies. You know, zombie is a subgenre again of, um, of, a of a, um, of a horror movie. Um, I'm thinking movies like, um, World War Z. I'm thinking movies like 28 Days Later, which is a brilliant movie. Um, that can be, uh, uh, you know, a, a trope used to, you know, tell the story of a virus outbreak. Um, it doesn't even have to be that literal. There are a lot of zombie films that um, are uh, allegories to uh, something else entirely or um, are at least commenting about a cultural fear um, of something else uh, entirely. Um, so... Um, yeah, I think that, uh, the idea that, um, a, a genre can be used to, um, represent, um, even if it's not completely consciously, um, or, or, or that, uh, you know, obvious, um, a cultural fear, um, and is that, you know, is that cultural fear, um, enhanced, by these, you know, tropes in a horror film? Is the subversion enhancing it? Um, does it stand alone well on its own? Does it stand alone well on its own? I think that's how you say that. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, um, I think that that's it. I hope that I express myself, um, or execute, or express myself well and executed the ideas. Um, it's kind of, you know, a, uh, I guess, you know, getting under, you know, five different covers worth of ideas. Um, and there's so much more to explore, um, obviously with this, but, uh, yeah, that is my, um, my input. And, um, I, to, to, to conclude, um, I guess, again, in a more, in a cleaner way, um, the genre of horror, super popular. Um, it has many, many, many tropes and conventions that are found, um, and subverted in, um, the films that are, again, considered horror. Um, and they feed a ideological, um, uh, uh, 
I guess, purpose that a movie's trying to convey, whether it be, and it typically is, um, you know, a political uh, commentary, commentary on something political, or commentary on society, how we interact with each other, how we view each other, um, whether it be, uh, 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 about, you know, the, the fears of, um, uh, the elements, uh, things like that, I guess I'm trying to say, um, it speaks to a very, um, broad cultural fear. Um, and, uh, you know, certain fears are more prominent in certain decades than others. Um, I wanted to comment on the monster, um, an element, elemental movie. Um, there's a movie Dante's Peak, which, um, is again, more of a thriller, but it's still a subgenre. Um, where a volcano explodes and it's a 90s film and a lot of 90s films were um, nature related when it came to its horror films you know Outbreak, um, Dante's Peak, um, I believe the movie um, oh my gosh I'm I'm kind of losing it um, oh uh, uh, Arachnophobia which is another really good movie um, where nature is kind of I mean there's a literal like spider monster <laughs> But um, nature is the monster, Dante's Peak, same thing. Um, and I think that uh, culturally in the 90s, there wasn't, um, that was what it, like, what it meant to fear along with like um, technology and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I think that that is done. I think that is it. Uh, again, thank you for listening. Uh, if I can sort of conjure up my, you know, impromptu, uh, conclusion or podcast specific conclusion. Um, you are listening to one hit wonder podcast. This was definitely not a one hit wonder because a one, eight, one hit wonder has to be either addictive or good, right? Because smash mouths, all star is addictive, but is it good? Debatable. Um, <laughs> Thank you uh, again so much for listening, and uh, I hope that you are safe. Have a good day.